What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Saturday, March the 12th, the year 2022, jam-packed show, lots to do, lots to talk about here on this weekend program. Baseball is back, at least, I think so. We are, we're on, oh, we're back? Yes, we're back, yes. Baseball is back. We will have a 2022 162-game MLB regular season. We'll get into that here at the top. Lots of off-season news in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay, as I suspected. Russell Wilson gets traded, as I as I uh, suspected. The team, though, that he got traded to, very surprising. We'll we get in a little bit. We will get into Russell Wilson uh, getting traded to Denver Broncos. We'll get into Bobby Wagner getting getting cut as well on the same day later on that night on what day was that Thir- uh Tuesday we'll get into that as well Carson Wentz traded the Washington Chargers get Khalil Mack the Calvin Ridley controversy suspended for a full season for betting on games it was a busy b- busy week in sports with baseball coming back all NFL offseason news especially with the two quarterbacks and Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and trades and Carson Wentz trade and 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 Khalil Mack getting traded, Calvin Ridley his suspension, Bobby Wagner getting cut, throw in the conference tournaments, the college basketball as we are less than twenty four hours away from a selection Sunday, and then of course, uh, and then of course you have um, the NBA going on as well. I want to get into a little bit of NBA this week, but because the NFL was just so busy, I said I gotta add find a way to fit in the NBA uh, later on. Matter of fact, we will have a special selection Sunday show for you uh, coming up in the uh, in the twilight hours, uh, coming up in the twilight hours on Sunday with yours truly and the great uh, Colin Russo. He, a Wisconsin uh, Badger, who we, who we have had on the program in the past. I believe we last spoke to him in late September, if not early October, when his Jaguars were playing my Cincinnati Bengals back in the football season, we had him on last March to discuss the NCAA tournament. Uh, so we will uh, have him on again and be nice to talk to our uh, friend of the program, the great Colin Russo, coming up on our special selection Sunday show coming up Sunday, March the 13th. But where we will begin, we will save the college basketball for for Mr. Russo. We will save the football stuff for later on in the show. But where we will begin on this weekend program is the fact that baseball Believe it or not, and when it, the news broke on Thursday, I couldn't believe it either, that baseball is back. We will have a hundred, a full 162-game MLB regular season. They finally, for the love of God and all that was holy, the players and the, uh, and the ownership at Slash Manfred got together and were finally able to put the egos aside to get a deal done. 
uh, with the new collective bar with the new collective uh, bargaining agreement. Just to give you a couple of ground rules of of the notable changes with the new CBA, you got the twelfth team expanded. Uh, the twelfth team expanded postseason used to be ten with the five with the five in each league, the three division winners and the two wild cards. It was like that from two thousand twelve. It was like that from two thousand twelve to two thousand and twenty one with the 2020 season being the only outlier so so that so that period of time where you had that wild card game stood for was stood for 10 stood for 10 years well actually 9 years 9 seasons discounting uh, discounting the shortened 2020 season outlier but from 2012 2012 to 2019 and then 2021 is where you had the uh, the 10 team postseason format uh, that is now by the board now it is now a 12 team so they expanded it adding adding an extra playoff team in both in both leagues so you have three wild cards in the uh, you have three wild cards in the Amer- in the American League three wild cards in the National League so you have the 12 team all all the teams that in the National League and American League that qualify for the postseason put them all together it's 12 with the six in each league uh, in a bracketed format kind of like the NFL uh, to a certain degree the way the NFL was from 1978 to 2019 where they had the 12 team playoffs si- seeds one through six in each conference uh, the only caveat but the only difference between the way the NFL was for that longest time 42 43 years uh from ending up and up ending up until the 2019 uh season and this is the fact the NFL of course there's there were four there were four divisions only two wild cards with baseball with baseball there's only three instead of the NFL that has four there's the three divisions in baseball and the actual wild card so baseball it's three and three three division winners three wild cards and football the way it was from I believe 78 to 2019 it was four division winners and two wild cards so but outside of that I believe it's going to be pretty much the same format and and I say that because of course with the NFL before the uh, with the NFL before the uh, expanded playoffs in 2020, you had the top two seeds in each conference in the NFC and the AFC get the buy for. So perfect example in the 2019 season, the last season in which that old playoff uh, formula was used, you had the top two seeds in the AFC. Ravens had the one seed that year, of course, best record in all of football. They got the first round buy and an automatic advancement to the divisional round. The Kansas City Chiefs. Had got the number two seed, of course, that thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins knocking off the Patriots in week 17. And the Kevin Harlan, the, the famous Kevin Harlan, I'm calling both games line, but they ended up getting the two seed and had a first round and had a first round bye in the AFC. And in the NFC, you had the NFC, you had, uh, yeah, San Francisco lock up the one seed with lock up the one seed for best record, and the two seed you had lock up, uh, and then a number, and then the team that got the two seed in the first round by was Green Bay Packers. So pretty much the same thing. It's pretty much the same thing here. You know, top two seeds in each 
uh, get a bye and they do not have to play essentially the wild card series and they get an automatic uh, spot into the divisional series and they don't have to play that best of three uh, that best of th- that best of three wild card series. Now the thing with the wild card series is that you know instead of instead of the game being essentially in different venues every single game, they're going to treat it like a regular regular season series, uh, where where you know if a team, let's say for a period of example, it's the Blue Jay. I'll just use the two teams that didn't make the playoffs in the American League from last year. Let's say the let's say the Mariners and the Blue Jays are one of the wild card series in the American League. Now I believe, and I'm just going this off the top of my head. I believe the Blue Jays had the best, had the better record between the two. So let's just say, for sake of conversation, that they did. I'm not going to go through and waste the machinations and looking it up. Um, but uh, in in that certain scenario, the Blue, J- all three of those games, at least the first two, because the third game is only played if the team that if the team that wins game one loses game two. But let's say for the sake of conversation that it was blue that it's Blue Jays and Mariners up at the Rogers Center instead of instead of essentially the series having the teams having to fly cross country a game at the Rogers Center a game at uh, at T-Mobile Park and then if the winner of game if the winner of game one loses game two then the fly back to the original location instead of having to do that it would be just like a regular season three game series where you know say you know the mariners come into come into toronto and play you know and play a three games like a regular regular season series in the middle of july same thing in the opening round where the team with the better record has the home field advantage and gets all three games in their building kind of kind of similar to the end kind of similar to the nfl a little bit where you have you know the team with the the team with the better seeding and team with the better record you know they they get they get the even though they don't have a uh, even though they don't have best record or have the number one number two seeds they get the benefit of having of uh, of having their of having the game in their stadium for a perfect example the Bengals and the Raiders uh, the Bengals and the Raiders finished the season uh, I believe they both finished I know the Bengals finished it at ten and seven. Um, let me see, just to double check, not that it means anything, but the Bengals and the Raiders played the wild card game. Bengals didn't get the, didn't get the one seed and they knew that if they were going to win the game and go far, they were going to have to play a lot of their playoff games on the road, but they still had the benefit of having the wild card playoff game played in their building. Uh, let me just double check to see what their record was. Uh, yeah, so both of those teams, both teams went 10 and 7. Bengals won their division, the Raiders didn't. Bengals had the game in their building. But anyway, you got the 12 team po- expanded postseason, universal DH. So you don't have to worry about seeing the pitchers hitting the National League anymore. Um, and have to worry about players pulling hamstrings, getting these freak injuries, running the bases or up or up the bat swinging, or, you know, you won't have the situation with League where the American League pitcher, unless they spend a huge chunk of their career in the National League and have practice hitting, where they just go up there with a bat and resting on their shoulders and it's three pitches and they're an automatic out. Um, you know, the, the old school guys, uh, don't, you know, don't like it. And I can understand why it takes strategy out of the game with the double switch, you know, in a tight one nothing game, in a tight one nothing game, whether you're up or down. Uh, a run or so, you know, do you make the decision to take your take your starting pitcher out who's dealing and have to worry about going to your bullpen 
uh, you know, just for you to provide some offense, or do you, or do you essentially sacrifice the offense by keeping it, by keeping your pitcher that's been phenomenal for six, seven, eight innings or so, and you let him go out there and hit? Pray, you know, pray he doesn't uh doesn't injure himself, bite the bullet that he might be an automatic out, and not pro, uh, and not uh, uh provide a positive contribution. Uh, offensively, and have him go out there and just mow mow down the opposition's hitters. You know, one, two, three in the next half inning. So, and a lot of the old school guys don't like that, which I can understand. But at the same time, you know, unless you're Madison Bumgarner, any of these hitters that's got tremendous hitting experience, you know, seeing the pitchers hit. I mean, it was the way it was. Uh, it, you know, we we got enough strikeouts and, and players make enough outs hitting uh, hitting up at bat to begin with anyway. So if, if the University H adds a little bit of a uh, um, little bit more offense, I am uh, I am all for it hundred percent. I have no disagreement uh, with that whatsoever. The, uh, I do I will say though that the that the one thing I, I liked about the Universal DH or or the fact that it there were the fact that the Universal DH didn't exist was because it provided it provided like some. It provided an element of difference between the American League and National League. You know, you know, watching an, a National League game that the pitcher has to hit, watching the watching an American League game, you know, that the pitcher doesn't have to hit. So that's so you know that's uh, you know that's that that's the one little thing I I appreciated of having the pitchers hitting in the National League play. But you know, the more offense, the better at this point. So I have no quibbles about the 12 team. 14 would have been too much. You know, you got 30 teams. You got 30 teams in the sport, and you got a, a 14 team play you know, and a 14 team uh, postseason. You go ahead and you do the math. 46 percent, nearly half of your teams make the playoffs. I think 14. You know, football you can get away with it because it's 32 teams, not 30. And I think 14 is too much. But football, you get away with it because you have two extra teams. Baseball, you can't. That's practic. That's practically almost half. You got fifteen. You got thirty teams in the sport, and fourteen of them make make the playoffs. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not. And I and I had no issues myself. No issues myself whatsoever. That out of thirty teams, only ten made the postseason. Thirty three percent, only thirty three percent of the league makes the playoffs. It's, it's the best out of all the major sports. You know, baseball. Uh, baseball, you know, uh, and I think, and they still do, even with the expansion of 12, that baseball has the least amount of teams admitted in the postseason play out of all the four major leagues. The NBA has 16, the eight, not counting the playing tournament, but the 16, eight, eight in each conference. NFL has, has now went from 12. Now it's up to 14. So, you know, I got, so 12, I was able to live with, you know, 12, uh, 12 40 percent of your team so it goes up from 33 percent to 40 percent so adding a, a, a set uh, adding an extra seven percent I'm, I'm not exactly um i'm not exactly opposed to that you know and baseball is a sport where the more meaningful edge of your seat uh pitch by pitch nail biting moments it has the better and i think the expanded postseason thus the addition of playoff games and a playoff series even uh, is a po- is a positive for the sport. You know, 40, 40, oh, you get to about 46, you're flirting with 50%, you get in trouble. 37%, 30, what, uh, 36%, or excuse me, 33% to 40%, a plus seven differential when, you know, when you had, when the, when the, when the Seattle Mariners and the, 
and the Toronto Blue Jays won over 90 games and failed to make the playoffs, and and the uh, and the Atlanta Braves that didn't even win 90 games won the World Series. I can't scream and yell about that a whole hell of a lot, so I like that as well. We're back to the nine inning games and the doubleheaders. Uh, the seven inning doubleheader I thought was was stupid, asinine. That's not baseball. This is make these make these are major leaguers, not little leaguers. They get paid. They get paid good money. They're grown adults, professionals. They go out the, if they get if it's if they get the bad bounce because of a, because of a rainout, so be it, or because of COVID, tough. You know, back to the nine inning doubleheaders, real baseball, true baseball, and not you know playing extra innings. You know, the the eighth, the eighth and ninth innings should not be should not count as extra inning ball games with the you know with a bunch of grown men playing major league baseball. So I'm glad we're back to the nine inning doubleheaders, real baseball, and the one I and the one I love the most is is the is we did away with the no runners on. On uh, on base to start extra innings, I thought that was a stupid, dumb, asinine. I understand why they did it in 2020. The fact that it stuck around in 2021, I found it to be absolutely reprehensible. Thank God they did away with it for good. Again, not real baseball with the runners on. Ba- I mean, with in the NF in the NFL, they in the NFL they don't give teams the you know they didn't give the Kansas City Chiefs the ball whether it's against Buffalo or the Bengals in the AFC Championship game and start and their possession. Start at the forty yard line. I mean, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta earn your way. You know, it's, it's, it's the same game. There are no ties in the sport. So football, I can, football, I can understand. I can understand there's ties. Baseball, our, you know, our games don't end in ties. If you got, if you gotta play fifteen, you've gotta play thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, damn near twenty innings to come up to come up and decide a winner. Tough, you know that. That's the nature of the beast. Nature of the sport of the fact that it has no clock, and you got you got to get all twenty seven outs with with you know with the with the most amount with get all twenty seven outs and also have the highest uh, run total than the other team. If it and I and I typically and I think one of the beauties of the sport I understand that the game is long it can get tedious it can get boring, but you know if a game if a game is long and it's 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 innings long. That's one of the beauties of the sport of, of those long of those long marathon games. And I felt like that runner on base to start extra innings took that away from us because you know because you know you're trying to force the winner, trying to prohibit the game from taking long, which I don't like. You know the game the game the game of baseball is special without a clock anyway. Why ruin it? Also, I just found it to be dumb. How you know how you could get like a cheap RBI, you know, a run batted in, or you score a run that you that you didn't earn. It was a it was a ghost runner put on base, you know, and 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 the and I also don't like the fact that if that if the that if a team let's say in the top of the tenth inning scores that scores that ghost runner to go up by a run. All of a sudden, the road team comes up right behind them, gets a couple of hits, you know, back to back at bats, and all of a sudden we're right back where we started, and then the game's tied again. And and it has the potential to essentially be, you know, you're stuck on a hamster wheel where every single half inning the game ends up tied because there's a runner on base and a, and the, and the hitter up at bat knows to, you know, a, a single and a double or a double and a double or 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 a single and a triple, and they already get that and that run is 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 back home with the run scored at the drop of a hat so i'm glad that's gone i'm glad the seven inning double headers is gone universal dh not bad not a bad decision and a 12 team postseason 
I didn't, you know, I'm I wasn't exactly I wasn't a um a uh, a, a a proponent of it, but I'm not against it. I'm not against it, and it's not, and it's it's far, and it's also far from a negative, far from it. But about time that they finally came to their senses, uh, you know, they they they, uh, they we thought opening day was going to be, going to be postponed until April fourteenth. The the union outside of their pesky executive committee, which is which is a bunch of puppets uh, by Boris. Uh, who controlled the whole damn thing? You know they've said enough. You know let's we're going to be losing money here in a minute. We can't afford to have no baseball middle of April Jackie Robinson Day. Let's get a season started. And Manfred, you know who realized that he was taking plenty of hits, said we we got to we got to have a season. Got to have a season. Got to start our sports in trouble as it is. So we have baseball a week late, but we have it April seventh. And the Orioles will begin their 2022 regular season against the 100-win defending AL East champion Tampa Bay Rays. And their home opener that Monday is against the Milwaukee Brewers, which is which is a weird opponent for a home opener. Not not weird not weird from a historical perspective because they used to be division rivals back in the day, but in 2022, you know, if that that's a weird that's a weird uh, opponent to have for your home opener is is the is the Milwaukee Brewers. But that that's where they play home opener. They uh, they get their they I believe their first two series of the original regular season schedule. I believe they were playing. Uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox, I believe, not positive, don't quote me on that, but I believe they were going to open up the season against the Yankees and the Red Sox to begin the season. And, uh, and uh, you know, they'll make those games up, but they won't have to go through the ALE's gauntlet right out the gate. They get a little series on the road against the, against the uh, Rays, and then they get, and then they start interleague play uh, start interleague play coming up next. Uh, well, the series after that, that Monday, uh, the Monday after Easter Sunday. Baseball's back. You know, if you care, if you're into it, you know my. You know, it's weird. You know, my personal opinion is, uh, you know, I'm gl- I'm glad it's back for the fact that peep that the peep that uh that the that the players making no money get paid. That the stadium workers get paid, you know, and the fact that they finally like quit fooling around and they found a way to get a season on the table. So that's the positive. That's that's what I get out of it that I like. Um, but you know, will I be into it? 162 games. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. The the fact the fact that I the fact that my favorite team in the Baltimore Orioles are is uh, is one of the worst team one of the worst teams in the sport, uh you know does you know does not help uh my my uh my rooting interest obviously so that so that's probably you know that's a big negative you know like after I saw my Bengals come within an eyelash and win the Super Bowl. Will I put myself through all that emotional turmoil, screaming and yelling at the TV because the bang because the Orioles can't get out of their own way? 
I mean, you know, and plus I got own personal stuff I got to worry about, you know, during the spring instead of me screaming and yelling and wasting hours of my life watching. So, I mean, you know, while I watch the Bengals or the Bengals, while I watch the Orioles here and there, um, you know, I'll try to. You know, the first 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 op first two opening series. I'm pretty sure I'll probably be on top of it. It'll be after the NCAA uh, tournament, so I won't have to worry about multitasking with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, they they bought they bothered me, they bothered me, they pissed me off with the whole with the whole back and forth. I screamed and yelled on this show about a week or so ago, screaming and yelling that I'm done, I'm this that. You know, they missed games, delayed opening day. I'm done. You know, they are going to have a full season. Yes, the season is going to be delayed, but they are going to have a full season. So, you know, maybe they you know they caught me on that little technicality. Uh, if they were gonna have less than 162, I was just gonna I was gonna blow off the season altogether. But you know they didn't, so okay, I guess they uh, I guess they get uh, they get lucky. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll be into it the way I have been in seasons past. I t I watch a I watch a lot of Yank I watch a lot of the Yankees and the Mets because I'm interested to see how the Mets are gonna you know Buck Showalter, my guy, his first year back in the saddle since 2018. Uh, being the manager of my Orioles, signing Scherzer, and the Mets are going to be a huge favorite. So I'll keep my eye out, my eye out on the Mets, my eye out on the San Diego Padres after their second half collapse last year. I'll keep my eye on, of course, for the Yankees. You know, to, providing me a good laugh every now and again with Aaron Boone mismanaging his bullpen and Chad Green. Um, but yeah, will I be? Will I go out of my way, you know, during the summertime, to make sure I'm watching baseball on a night and night out basis? Probably not. You know, probably not. I get into the All Star Game. I'll get into the Home Run Derby, but I'll I'll, I'll be I'll be seventy five percent in, fifteen percent out, or sixty forty. Better way to put it. 60 40 70 30 especially because of the fact that I, i'm not gonna waste uh energy and, and 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 have countless anger episodes over over the orioles who stink i'll watch about maybe uh their their first two opening series and depending on how they're playing maybe lay low for a little while and then check in sometime around mother's day with the NBA, and then by the, you know by late uh, April, get into the playing tournament in the NBA. But you know, I will. Uh, no, no, we'll see. I'll keep my eye on. I will be glued into how the Padres, the Mets, and the Yankees play. I'll be glued in with them. The Orioles, you know, half in, half out. If that catcher Adley Richardson, whatever his name is. Gets called up in a decent amount of time. Maybe it'll, maybe I'll be more locked into it. Uh, but you know, who knows? Who knows? You know, if I if I if I miss if I miss anything, uh, if I miss anything, if I want you know a quick feel of what's of what's going on, Hadi Watney's got me with quick pitch. But you know, will will I be 162, 180 nights out of year? Most likely no. Especially, especially when the Orioles stink, and at the point in time in my life where I got other things going on. But anyway, that's where we begin here on this Saturday show. Take a break. 
Gets Aaron Rodgers. Staying with the Green Bay Packers. You're listening to the Amatelica TIS podcast back right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Not only is baseball back, but Aaron Rodgers is back. Back with the Green Bay Pack. See what I did there? Packers. Yes, he is back with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, getting a deal done on Tuesday, the same day as Russell Wilson. Uh, first up, before I give you the contract details and what this means for the... Um, excuse me. What this means as far as the um, as far as the uh, Green Bay Packers are concerned, let me just say I never was for one to a come on this show and talk about Aaron Rodgers' whereabouts at infinitum. I mean, it was talked about a ton, and I did a little bit of it too. Don't get me wrong. Well, you well, and well, in my, in this situation, you had to because it was such a big story of how it was talked about at infinitum coming off of his playoff loss against San Francisco in the in the aftermath of the divisional playoff. So that I can understand. But essentially, after a week went by of Super Bowl re. Cap Bengals offensive line talk, uh, Zach Taylor, Joe Mixon, Samaji P. Ryan, Aaron Donald's greatness, McVeigh, Stafford Cup. Like, once a week went by where we praised the Rams, the Rams critiqued the Bengals. And recap the Super Bowl uh, machinations. It was it was Aaron Rodgers' whereabouts. Where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? Where is he going to get traded to? Is he going to retire? What's the reason why? I mean, it's just this constant yammering and this constant, never-ending, this hamster wheel of Aaron Rodgers talk. Whether it's with the whether it's on YouTube, Twitter, all the other social media platforms. On a national level, ESPN, FS1, NFL Network. I mean, everywhere you look, it was, where is Aaron Rodgers going to go? Aaron Rodgers' whereabouts. Where is he going to go? Where is he going to get traded to? These are the teams he's trade. He's, inter- he's interested in being, trading, in being traded to. What's it going to cost for a team to get him? Uh, you know, what about Devontae Adams? You know, is Aaron Rodgers going to retire? Super Bowl aspirations. Is he ever going to get to another Super Bowl again if he stays with Green Bay or if he goes to the Bronx? Or goes to the Steelers, or goes into—I mean, it's just enough. I mean, it—it was—it was was nauseating. It was exhausting. It was unnecessary. It was just—just extra. This is what it was. Was just extra. Like wake me up and call me and and text me, notify me when 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 Aaron Rodgers, you know, make makes up his mind with his decision is. Let me know then. Until that happens, I could care less about Aaron Rodgers. I care about I could care less about him going on Pat McAfee show forty minutes talking about how he cleansed himself after forty nine er loss by getting olive oil shot up his ass. I'm not interested about about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and his 
therapies and and him then his debriefing sessions and his cleansing and his quote unquote oil cleansings. I'm not interested. I could care less about the media pontificating hour upon 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 day day after 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 week 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 after week. I mean, I'm sorry. I just I I can't take it. I couldn't take it. And if you notice, you know, I didn't talk uh, outside of the, outside of me talking to Jason, outside of me talking to Jason, like we did last week, talking to Brendan before the Super Bowl. I didn't do, after that week, after that week, week and a half after, after the 49er uh, Packer game, you didn't hear me babbling a whole lot about Aaron Rodgers. It was okay. We addressed Aaron Rodgers. Let's move on to players. Let's move on to teams that are still playing. You know, okay, we kiss the Packers goodnight. We move on to the to the teams and the players and the quarterbacks that are playing on Championship Sunday. The Jimmy Garoppolo's, the Matthew Stafford's, the Patrick Mahomes's, the Joe Burrow's of the world. Super Bowl came around. All I cared about, Rams, Bengals. That's it. Aaron Rodgers' whereabouts, again, not in his future. Could care less. So you didn't hear me talking a whole lot of Aaron Rodgers because I was just—it's just enough. Just wake me up, just wake me up when when he when he f- makes up his mind. And thank God he did. Thank God it didn't carry. It only carried on for about a, like a month and a half, uh, if that. So so we got that saga and got that foolishness out of the way. And also thank God that that the Russell Wilson trade broke about a few hours later because if Russell Wilson was still a Seattle Seahawk and he hadn't gotten traded on on uh, Tuesday, with the media, the, that would be the. I, and it's funny because I looked at my brother and I my little brother Ian, what we've had on in the past. Uh, and I turned to him, you know, and this is, of course, it's before the Russell Wilson trade after Aaron Rodgers announced he was going to sign his, uh, he announced he was going to stay that I, I said, well, Ian, you better get ready because now that Aaron Rodgers is signed, Russell Wilson is going to, going to be the next drum that's going to get beaten to death by, by the media. And lo and behold, a couple hours passed and all of a sudden announced he's traded to the Denver Broncos. So thank God I don't have to worry about no, uh, Russell Wilson talk, no Aaron Rodgers talk. Now the one negative is that Deshaun Watson, and that's a Another "quote unquote" off-season news of news and sequence of events that took place over the last week or so is the fact that uh, there was not enough evidence for the for the for the nine women to press criminal charges on him with the massage parlors and his sexual misconduct and the sexual assault. So at least at least for the moment and for a good little while that uh, Deshaun Watson is a free man that doesn't have to face any jail time. But lo and behold, you know, no criminal charges, and he's going to be the one for me that's going to talk about ad infinitum about about his whereabouts and where he's going to be and where he's going to land and everything else. So just when you thought that you were out of the woods from the non-stock, from the non-stop what-isms as far as QB talk and, and, and the futures for these for these quarterbacks, all of a sudden, you know, Deshaun Watson, hey, yeah, I'm guilty. I'm not going to jail. So he takes the, so Aaron Rodgers and Russ Wilson's off the table and Deshaun Watson is. I mean, it just never ends. I understand. And I and I understand. Trust me, I get it. I understand it. That uh, that 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 the that the NFL is uh, that the NFL is king. That the NFL number one most popular sport in the nation. But you know, I I I don't know about you, but I enjoy talking about the games, the free agency signings, the trades. I like throwing them out too. But me personally, out of those twenty those twenty two twenty two out of the fifty two weeks. I enjoy talking about the games themselves.
the games. What goes on on the field. That's what that and that's and that's what one of the majority reasons why the NFL is popular is as out of the fifty-two weeks in the calendar year, what are the 21, 22 weeks where there's games and people are all into it? They bet their rear ends off on it and they they watch it, they analyze it, critique it to no end. That that's that's the meat and potatoes of the NFL. I, listen, I love it just as much as anybody, but but the. But the but the off season yammering a month after the Super Bowl and the off season, so I, I I'm I'm sorry, yeah, you 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 lose me on that, you lose me. So thank God he made his decision. I myself, be personally, if I was going to waste air time and precious breath talking about it, I'd have came on here and said Aaron Rodgers isn't going to go anywhere. You know he's not going to leave. He's not going to leave his team. You know, high and dry like that, leaving him and hanging him out the dry after he didn't show up and he absolutely embarrassed himself against the San Francisco 49ers in a playoff game. Like he and I said, I was going to say, you know, he's he's not he's not going to do that. You know, he's not going to understand that, you know, that he has his ways. He's he's not he's not going to do that. Retire. Yes. With that with that loss in his performance, you know, bum you out to a point where you where you would think of retiring that I could see. Him leave him leaving to go to another team where he you know left two home playoff games on the table for for Green Bay and back to back seasons. I could I couldn't see him doing that. Me, myself myself personally, well, the first time you know leaving the AFC leaving the NFC championship NFC championship and a Super Bowl appearance on the table, and then the second time not not even showing up. Again, the, the again the 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 49ers scored scored one touchdown in the game, and it wasn't even on offense in that playoff game. So I so good for him for coming back. He owes it to the fan base. He owes it to the franchise to come back after his disgusting, embarrassing, uh, pathetic, lackluster performance. He owes it to him to come back. Thank God he did. And now. Uh, we can look at you know how the how the Packers are going to do in 2022 uh, and beyond. But he owed it to him to come back. Uh, I had a feeling he was going to come back. Didn't shock me in the slightest. He decided to stay put, especially if you heard all off season. If you heard all off season long that you know that he had grown, that you know that he had grown closer. He'd grown closer, and and the relationship between him and the people in the Green Bay Packers run office had improved. If you caught, if you caught those, uh, if, I don't want to say dog whistles, but if you caught uh, those elements of information, you were like, well, hey, you know, is the relationship's not as bad as we once thought. Uh, and if you, you know, the, he he and um, the head coach Matt Lafleur are tight. He and Devontae Adams and 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 you know listen to him on McAfee talk about his relationship with Bakhtiari, his relationship with Aaron Jones, his relationship with Devontae Adams. He's very, 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 very close with with his teammates. He loves his teammates. Uh, so and you know who in the hell, especially with so late in his career that he is. Who, who, I understand Brady did it. I understand Peyton Manning did it. I understand Brett Favre did it. Uh, I understand Philip Rivers did it. But you know, there's not too many players that you'll want to find late in their career that's gonna that that wants to a learn a new system and b learn and get to know and kind of grow closer with a whole new breed of teammates. So I I think that also played a part 
into him staying as well, along with the improvement of his relationship with Brian Gutekis and the higher ups with the Green Bay Packers uh, front uh, with the Green Bay Packers front office. On top of the fact that he was already in love with the fan base of Green Bay, anyway, that never waned, and his relationship with his coaches and his teammates never waned as well. The only deciding factor, it seemed like, was the front office, and I guess you know they had a, a, quite a few heart to hearts during the sequence of the season. And uh, and uh, and their relationship improved, and he decided to stay put. Uh, another uh, aspect of why I suspect that Aaron Rodgers was going to stay was because of the idea and the fact that he's that the NFC that the NFC is a listen. It's not a cakewalk. He's only been to it once, but on paper, and it's been like that on paper. The NFC is a much, 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 much easier conference to win, a much more easier conference to dominate than the AFC. NFC, NFC, look, look, NFC. All you gotta do is look at this. In the last couple of seasons, you've had Drew Brees retire, you've had Drew Brees retire, you've had Tom Brady retire, you've had, you've had, um. You've had uh, I'm trying to I'm, I'm thinking of a blank. You had Matthew. You've had not that the lines are any good with Matthew Stafford anyway, but you had but you had Matthew Stafford jump team. Matthew Stafford jump teams. Matthew Stafford le- left left his own division to go play in the NFC West. Russell Wil- Russell Wilson's gone. Brady Breeds retired back to back seasons. Jimmy Garoppolo could uh, could be on his way out the door, and Kyler Murray's unhappy with Arizona. So the be- the one division of football he's got to worry about is the NFC West with San Francisco, who he, who he can never beat, Arizona, who's competitive, although albeit they always fall off, and the Rams are are your are the uh, Super Bowl champions of this past season with Matthew Stafford and that super team that they built over there. Outside of that, where else in the NFC or is there a real dominant threat to Green Bay specifically? I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in their division, but they but they aren't even on the aren't even in the same uh, continent as the as the Green Bay Packers are in terms of being a super as far in terms of being a perennial Super Bowl contender. You go to the NFC South, that division is is, is a complete joke. Brady's retired, he's out the door. The Panthers stink. Sam Darnold, who knows? The Falcons are are you know are spinning their wheels still with Matt Ryan, and um, there's another team I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, the Falcons, the Panthers, uh, the Panthers. I mentioned them, and the Bucks. I think I mentioned. I think I mentioned every team in the South. No team in the South, under any circumstances. You know, whether it be the whether it be the Bucks, the Panthers, the Saints. There's a fourth team I'm forgetting. Um, the Bucks, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Falcons. Yeah, I, I touched on all of them. That division stinks. Stinks. And outside of the Packers in the north, where the, the the Vikings are mediocre at best. Is Kirk Cousins going to get the Vikings to the Super Bowl? No, they're the second best team in the division, but that's not but that's not that's not saying much. The the Bears are on a complete rebuild. They're they're not good. New regime, new GM, new uh, new uh, head coach. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to be a long term answer there. And of course, the Detroit Lions been rebuilding since 1957 and are nowhere near. Sorry, and nowhere near close to competing for a Super Bowl championship, at least not of yet as of this moment. 
Aaron Rodgers decides to leave and go to Tennessee. Yes, it'd be a great fit for him in Tennessee, having Derrick Henry, you know, having Derrick Henry to hand the ball off to and throw the ball down the field to AJ Brown and Julio Jones. And on the defensive side of the football, they're as, they're as good as anybody in the sport. And Vrabel's a hell of a coach, so signing with the Titans would make sense. The only issue is is that is that you may win, you may run away and hide with the division. But come playoff time, you gotta you gotta play the Ravens, gotta play the Bengals, gotta play Kansas City, gotta play the Chargers, and now with the Broncos with uh, with Russell Wilson, you got three teams in that three teams in that division that scared that'll scare the hell out of you, uh, and then you throw in the fact the AFC East with um. Now listen, the Miami Dolphins on way are on a way to are on their way to Nowheresville. They did have a what back to back seasons with a plus five hundred record and 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 at a temporary point in the season hold a playoff spot. The Buffalo Buffalo Bills are perennial Super Bowl contender. What about them? And of course, you gotta go through uh, Belichick and the Patriots who won ten games, were a playoff team, and Mac Jones is coming off of his rookie year, which was which was the best rookie season out of all the quarterbacks that were drafted in the 2021 draft. So it's a much more again, how many times do I say it? The AFC is a freaking just by the but just by the sheer quarterback play. The AFC is is a, is a complete gauntlet. And Aaron Rodgers would have been an absolute fool to walk out on Green Bay to go jump ship for a team in the AFC and go through that gauntlet try to get to a Super Bowl where he couldn't get it against the uh the inferior opponents that he had to go through in the in the NFC. I mean, think about it. The NFC, the NFC in this order, it's Ram in the in the NFC in this order. It's Ram, it's Rams, Packers. Long gap in between, Cowboys, Cardinals, or Kiss. I didn't check that. It's Rams, Packers. Good little gap. 49ers, Cowboys, Cardinals, and then let the chips fall where they may. It, but the point I'm trying to make, it's the Rams and the Packers, and it's everybody else. Would have been a fool to leave the NFC and to leave the Packers in particular and go run to a team in the AFC. Dumb. Dumb. So I'm glad he stayed. The details as far as him staying are concerned are as follows here as I'm pulling it up here on my screen. Um, uh, four-year, two hundred million dollar extension with the Packers, uh, with a fifty million average annual salary. Uh, he receives one hundred fifty-three million guaranteed as far as the extension, uh, creating a cash space available for the Packers, approximately twenty-one million. And the Packers also were able to, with that, uh, place the franchise tag on Devonte Adams, his partner in crime, who is who is able to stay. And uh, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers as well. So, and what this means for Aaron, for the Packers Super Bowl chances down the road? Look, I mean, they're obviously going to be up there with the Rams as one of the most favorite team is as a highly favorite team within the conference to win the conference and to uh, and to make it to the Super Bowl. They're also going to be heavily favored to be to finish with the number one best record in the NFC. Uh, and they're also going to be heavily favored to, you know, probably not as high as Buffalo, probably not as high as Buffalo, Kansas City, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Rams are as far as Super Bowl favorites, but they are going to be up there, 
you know, uh, one, you know, one, I believe the odds probably, uh, the odds, I know the odds are out already. You really don't, at least I wouldn't start paying attention to them until after the draft around the opening of a minicamp. But hey, we all know that if all goes right for Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers play, plays is, has, has an MVP level of play that we see from weeks one, to now 18 from September to December slash early January that the Green Bay Packers are as good as any team in football and are a perennial Super Bowl contender. The problem is that they get in their own damn way and they prohibit themselves from doing so. So can they make it to a Super Bowl? Would they shock me if they make it to a Super Bowl next year? Not, not, not in the slightest. But would it surprise me and would it shock me if they don't get there? Absolutely not. And would it shock me or surprise me if Aaron Rodgers is one of the main reasons why they don't make it there? I wouldn't be surprised there either. The thing that prohibits the Packers from getting to the Super Bowl is themselves. Whether it's the floor, you know, kicking a field, kicking a field goal when they need to score a touchdown deep inside the uh, Tampa Bay red zone late in the fourth quarter. Whether it's him and his piss poor uh, special teams allowing a field goal kick to get blocked before the half, a blocked punt uh, resulting in a touchdown, or whether it's Aaron or whether it's Aaron Rodgers only scoring six points coming off of three second half Tom Brady interceptions in an NFC Championship game or whether it's him scoring a mere 10 points and not doing anything offensively outside of their opening offensive drive of the game, in which they pretty much did, were better off just not even showing up to work that night against San Francisco. In the, in the snow, with, a home field advan- with home field advantage and a week off. Had the number one seed locked and loaded. San Francisco had to work to get themselves into the playoffs. Had to work to beat the Cowboys the previous week. A California team playing in the Wisconsin cold, frigid temperatures and the snow and the frozen tundra of Lambeau and everything else against the back-to-back league MVP, and they, and they somehow got the job done. So, can they get back to Super Bowl? Yes. Would it shock me if they don't for yet another year? No, it will not. No, it won't. Because the Packers are the number one reason why the Packers haven't haven't gotten to a Super Bowl within the last ten plus seasons or so. It's not because of Brady, not because of the Bucks, not because of San Francisco 49ers or Kaepernick or Alex Smith or 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 Jimmy G or George Kittle or Raheem Mostert or Jim Harbaugh or or um or Robert Sala, or uh, or Kyle Shanahan. It's because of Green. It's because of, it's because of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Whether it's their days with Mike McCarthy as the head coach, or now with their days of the floor. So, as long as they can't beat themselves and get in their own way, they should be all right. But my issue is, is I don't know if uh, if that's going to change. I, I I think you know like the old Maya Angelou line you know when, when people at least in this case in sports when teams show you who you, who they are you believe them so we shall see take a break we will discuss Russell Wilson Bobby Wagner and the Seattle Seahawks are listening to the Amatelica TIS podcast.
Welcome back. Tilly on Attack TIS Podcast. Again to the Seattle Seahawks as they were very busy throughout the last week or so. Uh as the as they got a deal done with the Denver Broncos, agreeing to trading their Super Bowl fifty no, excuse me, Super Bowl forty eight winning quarterback Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos in exchange for Drew Locke. Uh, and t- tight end Noah Fan, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, two first round picks, uh, 2022. That's number ninth overall, which is an excellent trade on the part of Seattle. Uh, they are lacking in, er- in early draft picks. That, of course, with the genius decision to trade them all the way to the Jets and the Jamal Adams trade about a few years ago. Uh, two second round picks, 2022. That's number 40th overall, the 22 and Denver's 2023 round pick, and a 2022 fifth round selection to the Seahawks. And a 2022 fourth round pick as the Denver Broncos, you know, one of the one of the one of the more completeish teams and the team that's got a little bit of depth. That's got good playmakers on defense. Got a good running back, Jerry Judy, wide receiver, very good. Uh, and they were, you know, and if you talk to any Denver Broncos fans or know any Denver Broncos fans, they'll tell you one of the most aggravating aspects to the team and to the team and, and to the offense was the fact that they had that they had dudes on on defense, they had dudes on offense, they had a they had a talented playoff worthy roster, but what kept them from what separates the haves and the have nots, and you don't need me to tell you this if you've watched. NFL football for any amount of time within the last couple uh, years, especially you know, you know that that the, that the great that the ultimate and the great equalizer that separates the haves from the have-nots is the fact that whether or not you got a franchise quarterback that on your roster that that A is any good, B stays healthy, and C can get you to at minimum, if not put you in a position. To to uh, to win you a Super Bowl and Drew Locke, Brock Osweiler, uh, Trevor Simeon, none of those quarterbacks, uh, and and uh, Elway whiffed on a whole bunch of them. I mean, he caught a little lightning in a bottle with Tim Tebow. Peyton Manning was served to him on a silver platter, but outside of that, you know, he has just he, he's he's dropped the ball when it comes to. Finding that next franchise quarterback to take to fill the shoes of Peyton Manning, uh, and it looks like that now he hired the GM that made the deal, and and the I believe that the GM's named George Patton, who's done an absolutely uh, phenomenal job for Denver uh, here in this uh, here in this young off season thus far. But so that you know George Patton, that it, the Broncos GM, that is an Elway hire. If you want to give him any credit. Whatsoever, as you know, Elway of course stepped aside from the GM role and decided to give the keys to somebody else who knows what they're doing. It looks like you know that was Elway's one last hurrah, one last great decision that he, you know, that he that he made. But whiffed on a whole bunch of other quarterback decisions and and, and signings and trades and everything else. And it looks like that the Broncos finally, after a long search, have found their quote-unquote Peyton Manning replacement. The only downside is is that you're not going to have him. You know, Russ Wilson says, like Brady, he wants to play until his early mid-40s. You know, we'll see. I'm not counting that out at all. But, you know, 
the a Tom Brady, Brett Favre playing well into their forties. You know, those type of quarterbacks don't grow on trees. Uh, I'm not saying that it can't be done, but I'm just saying, you know, though it doesn't grow on tree, it doesn't grow on trees, and it's not exactly a a common practice, especially with that position. So, uh, so you know, you got to take take a look at it from that standpoint. And the Broncos also realize that you know. Uh, in the next six years at the middle, because Russell Wilson turns 34 November of 2022 in the middle of the season, that you have to keep in mind that, you know, for six years, six seasons, six years at a minimum, you know, you're going to be essentially right back to square one, trying to find it, trying to find another quarterback again. You know, you'll have him from, you would figure and you would think that you would have, uh, Russell Wilson as a, uh, you would have Russell Wilson a lot longer uh, a lot longer as the Denver Broncos as you did Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning only had him for 2012, 13, 14, 2012, 13, 14 to 15. You only had him for four. You only had him for four seasons. You'd figure with Russell Wilson, you'd have him at minimum for at least six. Let's say for the sake of conversation, he wants to wrap up his career as a Denver Bronco like Peyton, like uh, like Peyton did. But you know, you realize that you know you're you're selling you're you're selling out your you're selling the long term and your future for the short term. You know, wanting to wanting to win now, and and you know, wanting to be up there with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos of the world as one of the as one of the elite premier teams in the division. You know, for having yourself. You know, for waiting and out and, and waiting for a quarterback to fall into your lap in a draft for you to have for the next decade plus, you know, not you know, knowing that, you know, after five, six seasons or so, you know, when the quarterback decides that he's had enough that you got to all of a sudden start from scratch. But hey, to each, to each their own. And, you know, when you've seen the Kansas City Chiefs done nothing but essentially whoop your ass since uh, Peyton Manning decided to hang it up at the end of the two out at the end of their 2015 championship season, you know, desperate and you haven't made the playoffs since you won that Super Bowl in that 2015 season winning Super Bowl 50 to, to uh, beat Carolina desperate times call for desperate measures. And, you know, you certainly don't want to waste the good time that you have outside of the quarterback position around you. Uh, and then, uh, and you want to catch, see if you can, and if you've got a quarterback that you can trade for, that's a won a Super Bowl in the past, beat your team to do it. As a matter of fact, played in back to back Super Bowls, has got playoff experience as a vet, uh, vet pro bowler, gonna go to the Hall of Fame. You know, you can't go wrong, uh, uh punching up a trade for Russell, Wal- for Russell Wilson. All I gotta say is just make sure. You know, from a Denver Broncos perspective, that the trade doesn't go in vain, and you find yourself at least competing in a Super Bowl or two to make this uh, to make this trade worth it. Um, you know, that's that's all that's all I gotta say. When you sell your future, you gotta make sure that you cash in, like the Rams did, selling off every draft pick and their mother. They got a Super Bowl out of it. Denver Broncos, it's a, it's a similar philosophy. From a Bronco perspective, you know, the Broncos again going to be right up there. With the Chiefs, it'd be very interesting to see once the draft and free agency is over and done with around the opening of training camp. Very interesting and intriguing to see who's going to be, who's going, what team's going to be favored. Uh, and I understand the Raiders made the playoffs, but you know they obviously are not the are not the. Uh, one of the, are not in the conversation as one of the best teams in the not saying that they're going to that they're going to be the worst in the sport, 
but you know it, it they that but they're the fourth best team which by default is you know the last uh, the last uh, you know good team in the in that division by default so you know it would be very intriguing to see you know who's going to be favored Kansas City who's won, who's won it consecutively since they've had Mahomes the Chargers who again if Brandon Staley knew knew not to take a timeout and you know didn't go for it on fourth down every opportunity that presented itself he would have made the playoffs with Justin Herbert who had himself a, who's had himself a tremendous first two seasons in the National Football League uh, and then of course you know Denver hopping into the mix getting uh, and trading for Russell Wilson so it'll be again looking forward to see who who uh who the experts and who Vegas thinks are going to be one of the premier teams out of the AFC West favored to win the whole thing um but uh you know I think at this very moment it's Kansas City based on sheer experience keep in mind the Broncos have to deal with a uh first year head coach in Nathaniel Hackett which could get a little dicey um, I understand that the Chargers traded for traded for Khalil Mack and Justin Herbert sensational, and they extended uh, Mike Williams about a week or so ago. I I totally get that, and I totally understand that. Uh, my issue is is I'm concerned about uh, is I'm concerned about Brandon Staley, the head coach, and will and had and has he learned his lesson from the mistakes that he made uh, in the uh, in the in the Raider not just in the Raider game but all season long? Has he learned from the mistakes that he made? His first year as an NFL head coach was one, or you know, and if you wonder if, and you also wonder if that similar learning curve is going to be in a, in a, in play, and in effect for Nathaniel Hackett heading into the 2022 uh, season. But it sure makes the Broncos a, a perennial contender in the division, and it makes them a dark horse to go to the Super Bowl. I still think myself that the Bengals that that the Bengals and Buffalo. Are uh, are a tick of, are, are a tick above Denver, and this is a way too early Super Bowl, you know, quote unquote predictions or or crystal balling, but fortune telling. But uh, they certainly are a dark horse to uh, to make the to make it to and win the Super Bowl. And listen, you know the out of the you know the previous. Uh, the previous two Super Bowl champions, you know, first a quarterback joins their team, and all of a sudden they go to Super Bowl. Brady and the Bucks and the and Stafford and Stafford and the Rams, and you also take into account that that uh, three that the that the three out of the last um no not three the two out of the previous uh teams two out of the previous four teams to make the Super Bowl, of course, with the with the two representatives and back to back games. They didn't. They didn't make the playoffs the year before, and then the season that they make it back to the playoffs, with you know whether it be the twenty twenty Bucks or the twenty twenty one Bengals, they went on to go to the Super Bowl. So, if you are into the whole trends thing, you know that would uh, make you smile if you're a Denver Bronco fan. The fact that you know first year quarterback with Matthew Stafford goes to the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, not first year quarterback. First year with the Rams makes the Super Bowl, and Brady's first year with the Bucks goes to the Super Bowl. And the fact that the 2019 Bucks missed the playoffs, 2020 they won the whole enchilada. 2020, uh, the 2020 Bengals didn't make the playoffs and uh, won the AFC and made it to the Super Bowl. So from a Bronco perspective, excellent trade. From a Seattle Seahawks perspective, listen, it's yeah, it's something that, that you that you had to do. You know, you were you, with keeping Pete Carroll there was a was 
I want to say a recipe for disaster, but it it was clear and obvious that you were on a road to nowheresville. Yes, I understand you you fired Ken Norton too little too late in my opinion. Yes, I understand you do have talent on the team, Bobby Wagner and and DK Metcalf and, and, and Tyler Lockett, but you know you were on, you were on your way to another seven and ten, six and eleven season, eight and nine, nine and eight at best. You're not you're not one of the better teams in your division on any circumstances. You're not one of the you're not a Super Bowl contender by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's something that had to be done. It was hard, difficult. And if you're a Seahawks fan, whether you're a diehard that goes back to the days of the seventies playing in the AFC West, or if you're my brother that hopped on the Seahawks bandwagon back in during their rise to dominance in twenty twelve, two thousand and thirteen. You know, it was unfortunate and sad and, you know, you kind of say depressing to see the franchise quarterback who had only been there nine years, ten seasons, not very long. You know, if if he if he hadn't gotten traded, he'd still be on the team. It, he'd be coming up on ten years, ten years this upcoming spring. And when he got drafted by Seattle, coming out of University of Wisconsin, was only there nine years, ten seasons. Not very long, albeit he won. He won them two back-to-back NFC championships. Won them the Super Bowl, and won them quite a few playoff games. Uh, you know, it's something that had to be done. It's nature of the it's nature of the beast. It is a business, and it's the it's the it's the first band-aid that you got to rip off. You know, when you're the Seahawks and look like you're heading down the road of a uh, of a tedious and exhausting mentally and mentally and emotionally. Uh, draining rebuild. You had a feeling that you know Pete Carroll sticking around could be the end for Russell Wilson with the whole let Russ cook uh with the whole let Russ cook mantra and the fact that Russell Wilson voiced with Dan Patrick when he was the fox with the sour grapes sitting next to Kraft at the uh at the Chiefs Bucks Super Bowl how he wanted to get playing the Super Bowl in the worst way and you know throwing his teammates and throwing the Seattle Seahawks under the bus and all that and all that foolishness. Of course, you know with with the broken with breaking his finger in that in that uh, Thursday night game in October against the Rams, really exposing, you know the 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 sheer flaws of the Seattle Seahawks that Russell Wilson has been masking for them for up until that point about a, about two seasons at max. Uh, so you know the writing was on the wall, and you know sad, unfortunate from the Seahawks perspective. But you know it, it is a business, and sometimes you, and sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, you know, I, and and I tell you, it's going to be one of the greatest what if stories in the history of sports. When you know people sit back and sit sit back, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years from now, twenty five, thirty years from now, and say, you know, what could have been a Seattle Seahawks? What could have been of with Russell Wilson's career as a Seattle Seahawk quarterback? If he would have, if uh, if he would have given that ball to Marshawn Lynch at the goal line of Super Bowl Forty Nine against the Patriots, you know, one of the uh, one of the greatest what if stories in the history of sports, at least in the twenty first century, will be what if they gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch and he ran it in there, and the Seahawks would have won back to back Super Bowls and would have beaten the Patriots in that absolute classic that I love to tell you guys about all the time of Super Bowl Forty Nine between them. And the 2014 New England Patriots, but hey, you know life goes on, team goes on. They gotta find a way to rebuild and regroup and re- and you know restock their draft picks and 
and you know try to find a way to put together a competitive uh competitive football team within the near future because uh because the days of the because the Russell Wilson Legion of Boom days uh you know they look like that 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 door slammed shut directly in their face and Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson and um and Bobby Wagner, I believe, were the only were the two sole remaining players left in that 2013 championship team, and they, you know, were here today, gone tomorrow, within within a snap of a finger, within within a 24 hour day. So, uh, so you know, rough for the Seahawks having to say goodbye to Bobby Wagner, who they cut. You know, Bobby Wagner said on his Twitter feed that he learned that he was getting cut from an outside source, which isn't which isn't a positive look. On Seattle's standpoint, under any circumstances, and you know, and hearing the noise on social media that you know that it's a com- that it was a com- that is a common theme that of uh, of Seattle, quote unquote, not not all time greats, but greats in the, in the sense of the history of the franchise were were notified that they were let go or traded from the team from outside sources that they that that situ- that them that their releasement of the team or, tr- or or them getting traded from the team you know wasn't handled well by the uh by the members of the front office within the last few seasons of course we can forget Earl Thomas tearing his Achilles and giving the uh and giving the finger to peak so you know it it, it all it all come came crashing down in a heartbeat for the uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, and you wonder uh, what's going on behind closed doors, and in particular, what's going on what's going on with that franchise ever since their owner and the late Paul Allen has passed away. It looks like that that's been a completely different organization. It's not ran the way it has been and the way it should be ever since uh, Paul Allen's passing back in two thousand and eighteen. But anyway. No, it is what it is. My brother, you know, was uh, distraught down in the dumps that, you know, he loves Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson this, Russell Wilson that. Um, you know, uh, me part part messing with him, part, you know, giving him giving him the uh, the harsh God's honest truth and love, so to speak, and telling him, like, Ian, you know, you be, don't get too attached. You know, don't, don't be fooled, Russell Wilson. It's going to be coming time sooner rather than later or Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson's going to go, you know, just read the writing on the wall and just how this, how like the whole sequence of events is going about. Pete Carroll staying put, you're really not in, you're you're not awful, but you're not a championship contending uh, team. And with a quarterback who's in his 30s, you know, you, you want to win a champion. It's like too many, too many, too many, um, there were too many little hints and little, uh, Warning signs that you saw along the way, at least from an outsider's perspective, that the that the uh, that the Seahawks are going to be able to keep Russell Wilson without uh, without uh, consequence, and uh, and in the same breath be a Super Bowl contender. It's just not. It just didn't add up. And when the reality finally struck my brother, my brother Ian, who's you know goes back to the Seahawks as far back as 2012, 2013. You know, he obviously was not a, a happy camper about it. But hey, you know, life goes on. He and his little short little uh, time frame of him being a Seahawks fan after ditching the Ravens in the dust. Uh, we we shall see if he if he's gonna st- if he's gonna tough it out and tough out the rebuild and tough out uh, this uh, rough patch of his Seahawks uh, fandom. 
or will he bounce and be a uh, and be a fair weather fan or be one of those fans that roots for the player, you know, Russell Wilson instead of the team, or will he stick it out through the heartache and pain and the frustration and the rebuild like yours truly has been doing ad infinitum with uh, at least until the 2021 season, the beleaguered uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I tried to get him on. I said, Ian, you know, you, you know, your, your quarterback's gone. Your line, when your your Hall of Fame linebacker, who's very underrated historically, he's gone. Uh, you know, it's it's all crashing now for the Seattle Seahawks. You know, let me hear your thoughts on Russ Wilson getting traded, Bobby Wagner getting cut. I'm like, Ian, come on, come on the show. Yell if you want to yell and scream until your heart is loud and as long as your heart's content. You know, so be it. Thirty minutes, it doesn't matter to me. I gave him an open invitation for him to come on. Wants no parts of it. So, uh, so see, I'll keep asking because I want him to. Because he's got a lot to say. He's a smart fan, good fan, uh, and and I want you guys to hear from him and hear his thoughts and hear his takes. I don't know if we will, uh, because he's that distraught over it. But hopefully, we will hear from Ian within the next couple of shows. His thoughts on his. Seattle Seahawks. We will wrap it up with some uh, with a carousel of NFL offseason news from Carson Wentz, Khalil Mack, Calvin Ridley. This is the Amatelka TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amatelki TIS podcast. Do a little bit of rapid fire here to close out the program. Uh, just the th- four NFL offseason items that I want to give my two cents on before we say goodbye. First off, you have uh, Carson Wentz, uh, who got traded to the Washington, uh, what, are, what are they, the uh, Washington Commanders, whatever they are. Got traded to the Washington Commanders earlier this week um, for a couple of uh, late-round draft picks back to the Indianapolis Colts. So he's out. He says uh, sayonara. I mean, it comes a point with Carson Wentz where people just got to realize he's just not a franchise quarterback. I mean, when the chips were down, when the chips were down and when their season was there to be salvaged and when a playoff spot was on the line, whether it's Week 17 at home against the Raiders or Week 18, Against Jacksonville, Carson Carson Wentz spit the bit. I mean, he was he was absolutely horrible. Not not bad, horrible. Was not good by any stretch of the imagination in uh, in either of those two games. And you know, franchise quarterbacks. You know, when you when you ha- have an opportunity to make the playoffs and you got 
playoff spots on the table, you got to be able to deliver the goods, bring home the bacon, and uh, and cash in and cash in when the when the spotlight shines the great shines the brightest and Carson Wentz, uh, and again in back to back weeks came up small and 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 if he can't do that when he got reunited with Frank Reich and didn't have to worry about Nick Foles or Doug Peterson or um. GM's name, Philadelphia, Howie Roseman. Didn't have to worry about any of that. The Philadelphia fan base, all of those Philadelphia Eagle distractions were out the window uh, when he got reunited with Frank Reich in Indianapolis. And he and he, and he, and he played in a separate team, separate, comp, separate conference, and he had separate division, and he could not deliver the goods and bring home the bacon. So and I think we had to get to a point with Carson Wentz where he he's just, he's not he's not the answer he's not the answer and he's not a franchise quarterback that you want to build your team around, nor a franchise quarterback that uh, that that can get you to a Super Bowl because you know and you've seen it quite a few times where when Carson Wentz is not good when Carson Wentz is not good he's not just not he's not just not good he's just he's just that he's downright deplorable when when he's bad he is horrendous when he's bad uh which is a very uh at least at least in my in my eyes and in my estimation i understand it's not a game of perfection and and you can't and it's and it's uh not a realistic expectation to tell you know your starting quarterback go out there and to put up perfect numbers put up perfect numbers every single game but you know but when he is but when he's getting paid good money he is in the national football league you know, I'm not saying you got to play perfect every time, but when you play bad, can you not essentially look like an amateur and make it seem like this is your first time ever picking up a football? I mean, if I had a nickel for every single time I saw Carson Wentz when he was down for the count almost, and was you know instead of taking a sack, biting the bullet, and, and swallowing his pride, and swallowing his ego, and taking a sack, how he had a he had a last second chuck of the football to try to make something happen, and he throws it directly to a, a defense fender or throws an enters or uh, fumbles the football i mean i'd have about about 15 grand in my bank and added 15 grand in my bank account right now Be, you know championship quarterbacks and franchise quarterbacks they don't do that you know when, when you got to be able to you you can't you can't always play hero ball and uh and and try and, and make lemonade when you're given lemons every single time you kind of sometimes just gotta take the loss with uh, take the loss with grace and uh, and take it for what it is and 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 grow up. Put your big boy pants on and move on. And Carson Wentz did not do that, uh, so the Colts are in need for a quarterback. Uh, you know, another season where the Colts are going to have a different, a separate and a different uh, starting quarterback in Week One. Meanwhile, Washington, you know, and I would not guarantee Carson Wentz the job. I'd make him earn it between him and Heineke. Uh, myself, uh, myself personally, because you know the margin of of who's better, Winter Heineke, is not exactly astronomically great between the both of them. So that would be a quarterback competition I would open up if I'm Ron Rivera heading into training camp this upcoming summer. Uh, and he ret- and Carson wants to turn to the NFC East, and then with Washington, you know they can't do anything right. You thought you thought and heard rumblings that they were going to be in the in the conversation of getting Russell Wilson. Uh, training for Russell Wilson and getting him off of Seattle onto their team, they uh, try to at least. I heard that they that they offered a king's ransom to get him. Still wasn't good enough. They couldn't get Russell Wilson. They got to settle on Carson Wentz, which uh, 
you know, my buddy Brendan is uh, is a I won't I won't say appalled, but he is not exactly uh, encouraged nor in love by the trade by any stretch of the imagination. So if you're a Washington fan, you know, it's more the same and you can never have nice things because Dan Snyder is your owner and you can and and such consequences for having that man as your owner uh, shall follow whether you like it or not. But, you know, Brennan Bonham, a matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'll read you what he texted me when Wentz got traded. Uh, let's see. This is on Thursday. I texted, uh, well, this is, when, what day was this? This was when I texted him that Wentz. This was Wednesday afternoon at 5.30. I texted him that Carson Wentz was going to be, uh, was going to, was it Wednesday? Yeah, I made I had to double check. I believe it was Wednesday. Yes, it was Wednesday. Texted him at 3.59 Wednesday afternoon, Carson Wentz was traded. He replies in all caps, chronic pain. I, <laughs> I sent him the LMAO response. Uh, he replies, I hope this is a lie. I reply, my prayers. He goes, if it's not real, I, or excuse me, he says, if it is real, I hope Heineke ends up beating him out. Not going to lie. I said, you hate him that much, him meaning once. Brennan replies, yes. Uh, and then I reply with an inside joke that shall remain inside. He replies, death. And I reply with laughing emojis. Um, and then on Thursday, I text him the little, uh, the little graphic poster that the NFL Twitter page did of Carson Wentz in a Washington commander's uniform. He said, I, I going to cease, I, I going to cease to exist. I replied, why? He replies, why Wentz in all caps? I, he says, why Wentz? I say, because Dan Snyder. So Brendan is uh is uh his his Washington team does not exactly you know they they give they give him more reasons for him to be upset and for him to be pissed off than than they give him moments of joy and jubilation which uh which I know all about being a Bengals fan and now all of a sudden you know to go to you go to one Super Bowl and all of a sudden it's like oh look at us now but I do not forget where we came from and uh Poor Brendan is going to be putting up with the foolishness for Washington. Hopefully not too much longer, but at least for this moment, for now, uh, the pain of the Washington Redskins slash football team slash commanders uh, shall reign supreme on uh, Washington fans everywhere throughout the DMV. That's item number one. Item number two is that the Chargers get Khalil Mack in a trade, bolstering up their defense. People are going to sit up here and say, that it makes the charge a Super Bowl contender. And I believe in theory it does. I don't think it puts them over the top. I don't think it makes them a heavy favorite. Um, you know, the top three teams I'm picking right now, if I had to put my life on it, it would be it would be uh it would be uh can't it, not in any particular order, but Kansas City, the Bengals, and the Buffalo Bills. I think the Chargers are four or team number four, team number five on that list of, along with uh, along with Denver. Uh, who also within their own division and the Baltimore and the Baltimore Ravens, but that trade by far 
uh, gives uh, gives the uh, the Chargers a tremendous uh, advantage on defense. At, uh, you know, they extended Mike Williams, like I previously mentioned in the show, and having Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the same defense. I mean, <laughs> that's 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 a recipe for just sheer and utter chaos. I mean, and boy, do they take a, a page out of the Rams' playbook. Here's what you do: get yourself you get yourself a tremendous uh, outside linebacker, outside linebacker who's a great pass rusher in the Rams' case with Von Miller, in the Chargers' case in Khalil Mack. And have a tremendous defensive lineman. The uh, the the Rams, of course, with uh, Aaron Donald, and then the Chargers, of course, with Joey Bosa, and just have him go out there and hunt. So, the Chargers will be a tremendous. Uh, they'll be a tremendous watch and be an intriguing team heading into 2022. The only thing is, will the Chargers beat the Chargers, and will the Chargers be their own worst enemy and get in their own damn way of of. Uh, of prosperity that you, that you figure on paper should be uh, should be plenty of heading into twenty heading into the twenty twenty two season and years beyond down the road, whether it be the special teams or Brandon Staley with his coaching decisions. Because if you because t- if somebody from the future comes and tells me that the Chargers didn't win the AFC and didn't get to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be like, well. They are the Chargers. They do invent new ways to get in their own way. And Brandon Staley, you know, going forth for every single fourth down he sees, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But it's up to Staley to prove me wrong, honestly. My biggest question mark with the team is Brandon Staley. Because push comes to shove, who do you trust in a big, who do you trust in a big game? Brandon Staley or Andy Reid? Brandon Staley or Sean McDermott? Brandon Staley or John Harbaugh? That's the question. They they may play games, may have playoff games where they have where they have a superior te- where they have a superior roster top to bottom. But if the game is tight and the game is close and the coach has to manipulate the clock a certain way, use his timeouts properly, know when to go for when not, those type of things. I don't, at least in this moment in time. Now, if he improves and has a good regular season, maybe I'm. If they make the playoffs, I'll be singing a different tune come uh, come January 2023. But as of right now, March of 2022, the one huge outlier—not outlier, but the one huge equalizer in the uh, when it comes to automatically. Or can, or or the Chargers being in the conversation with the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals of the world as far as the favorites in AFC is because of the head coach. And again, Zach Taylor is not Paul Brown, but I mean he is Paul Brown compared to the to the decisions that Brandon Staley was making this past season. Got to be honest, got to be fair. Amari uh, Cooper got traded to to the Cleveland Browns earlier on Saturday. It came out within the last week or so that the Dallas Cowboys were looking to move on from him. Couldn't take on his contract. Of course, having to pay Dak, having to pay Zeke again, who's who uh, who has done nothing ever since he signed his contract a few seat a few years ago. But you know, got to free up cap space. Uh, and uh, Amari Cooper is a uh, is a uh, guy that's expendable, so they ship him off to Cleveland. Who I'm pretty sure will be screaming and belly aching about Bacon Mayfield. Let's say about week seven, week eight, come next season, uh, give or take. And then of course you got Calvin Ridley, 
who got himself in hot water earlier this week, suspended indefinitely with, at minimum, being suspended the entire 2022 NFL regular season. Why? He bet 15 grand on his team to win as a part of an eight-game uh, as, as a part of an eight-game parlay while he took some time away from the team with the mental health issue suspended for a whole year. Here's my, and I'm not going to be very long-winded with this, but here's my thoughts on, on the Calvin Ridley thing. I understand that, the, I understand from the NFL standpoint that you got to send a message, got to say loud and clear, look, you're a player, we're in bed with these gambling companies, we cannot have our players that are part of the National Football League that are collecting a paycheck from uh, from teams that make up the National Football we can't have you betting on games, that's, uh, that's unethical, we, conflict of interest, uh, and, and you know, we don't worry about the whole rigging of the games, don't, we can't have that. So that I understand, and that and that action in and of itself has to be punished and has to be dealt with accordingly. My opinion, if it was me, six game, eight game suspension, whole season. I I get, I understand where the league has come from that they're throwing their hammer down and they're throwing their fist down and they're not playing around with this. I get that. But the but it kind of looks uh, hypocritical, and uh, and you can't take the NFL and their punisher attitude completely seriously, if seriously at all. When again, they're in bed with DraftKings, FanDuel, and the fantasy, and and and, and you know Vegas with MGM and uh, and Caesar Sport. Well, uh, no, MGM's baseball. It's Caesar Sportsbook, uh, DraftKings. Fan duel, you can't take them seriously. And then not to mention with the fantasy football with ESPN, CBS, Yahoo Sports, the Fox Bet stuff, uh, the NBC predictor with the Sunday night stuff. You, 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 you know, they're in bed, in bed with gambling. And, you know, it's, it's, it comes off as double talk and hypocritical where the NFL and their ownerships, the the NFL, the league office, and its and the owners that make up the NFL that own the 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 thirty one owners, you know, they can collect the check from the gambling companies by having a sponsorship deals, and having sponsorship deals with these with these with these sports gambling companies. Yet yet a player that's within the National Football League that 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 are just as much a part of why the NFL is a multi billion dollar industry as much as the owners are. Yet they can't they can't bet on the they can't essentially take advantage of the quote unquote partnerships that the NFL has with these companies and bet on games. Yet the owners yet the owners can collect a paycheck from the gambling companies. It does it it, it doesn't come across as right, or or uh, and it comes off as very hypocritical. It does. The NFL owners can collect the check from the from Caesar's sports book and collect the check from DraftKings as, as far you know because they got sponsorship deals with them. But God forbid Calvin Ridley, you know, who's making who's making about you know what in the who's making money whose salaries in the low millions. God forbid he places a fifteen hundred dollar bet, you know, on an eight on an eight team eight game parlay or whatever. That he gets caught thrown out of the league for a year, and the owners get to collect the paycheck from the gambling partners who they partner with. Comes off as very hypocritical, to gotta be honest. 
I understand we can't have players within the sport, especially players within the sport, you know, whether they're a part of the team or not, act, you know, active players on the active roster or not. I understand we can't have them betting on betting on games. I get that, uh, and I, I totally understand it. But, you know, when you're the NFL that's in bed with these gambling companies and, and they got the point spreads and the over-unders on the little tickers on NFL Network and Fox and CBS and NBC and ESPN, and again, you're in bed with the gambling companies and your broadcasts, you allow your broadcast uh, partners, whether it be, uh, whether it be uh, Fox or, or NBC to have the little gambling little fantasy games so they can, you know, that they can promote ad infinitum before and during the broadcast of of their NFL games that they played a that they paid a king's ransom to get you know and you scream and yell about Calvin Ridley betting uh, 15 grand over uh, you know betting on uh, football games in some city in the middle of Florida i mean it it comes across as very hypocritical got to be fair especially you know when they suspend the domestic abusers and the criminals of that in the, in the in the former uh, or this, I should say, the past criminals and the past uh, uh, off the field conduct defenders of the games in the past. You know, they give them Ray Rice. You know, two game suspension. You know, they suspend the Greg Hardys of the world. You know, two games, four games, six games, eight games. Not and then they don't kick him out of the sport for a whole year. Yet the yet yet the Calvin Ridley's of the world who didn't who didn't commit a crime, didn't hurt anybody, they get kicked out of the sport for a year. By essentially taking advantage of the partnership that that essentially the umbrella of his employer has with these gambling companies. I mean, very, very hypocritical and dubious on the NFL's part. Very. And again, I understand we can't have active active players betting on games, but not a, not a good look. You you got these you know and and again it's not like that the NFL needs these partnerships with these gambling companies to survive. They're they 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 were rich and rolling in it long before sports gambling was uh you know was wasn't wasn't considered taboo anymore or wasn't considered Ill- illegal in every state of the United States outside of outside of Nevada and the city of Vegas. You know, so one like this, so one like that, they didn't, they didn't need the money with with the gambling companies. So because because they didn't make, they were worth they were worth billions and were making billions long before DraftKings and FanDuel. So so it's not that they that they need the money. And yet they're taking the money from the gambling companies. Yet got yet Calvin really can't bet. I mean, come on. And 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 we'll catch him. Granted, he granted he did break a rule. Granted, their actions for con- actions have consequence actions have consequences. I get that, but a definite suspension. Yet you know, domestic violence players that get either accused or guilty of domestic violence, child abuse, whatever the case might be, they you know they get they get suspended two games. Four games, six games, eight games, and they don't get th- thrown out of the league for full for a full year. Very hypocritical on the NFL part. Very, very, very hypocritical. Busy week in sports. NFL off season. Plenty of news. Baseball is back. 
I will give you my predictions as we get closer and closer to the opening day and give my two cents on any major free agency signings and trades that come along the way. In the meantime, stay tuned for the selection show recap show, if you will, the selection Sunday show with me and the great Colin Russo coming up on Sunday, March the 12th as we will get into and get ready to sink our teeth into the 2022 NCAA Men's Division 1A Basketball Tournament. For those of you that enjoy listening to this show, first time hearing it, please subscribe. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. I will talk to you on Sunday. Y'all take care. See ya.